You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Autism or Autism Spectrum Disorder, a.k.a. ASD refers to a broad spectrum of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication. Now, according to the CDC, autism affects an estimate of one in 59 children in the United States today. Now, I remember 15 years ago, the rate of childhood autism in the United States was one out of 166. So why is the prevalence of autism increasing so rapidly? And what can we do about it? Today on Wellness for Life, we have Julie Matthews, a certified nutrition consultant and autism expert, specializing in complex neurological, digestive, and immune conditions. She is also the author of the award-winning book, Nourishing Hope for Autism, and co-authored of a study proving the efficacy of nutrition and dietary intervention for autism, published in a peer-reviewed journal, Nutrients. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Dr. Suzanne. You bet. You bet. You know, let's dive right into your published study on nutrition intervention for improving autism because this is super important for people to understand. Uh, you know, there's so many, so many different factors when it comes to autism and, and the reasons why and and what could be the um, triggers and causes and all that. And nutrition is always right there on the top of the of my list, at least. So um, I was also really impressed by the list of researchers you were involved with and studying with Dr. And Dr. Robert Navio and David Quigg. Those are two, two of my two peeps that I really love to follow. Yes, yes. I was really uh, so fortunate to be able to be part of this study. It took us about five years from beginning to end, as you know how these things go. Uh, and what we were looking at is, can diet and nutrition intervention help autism? And we had lots of studies on individual things. You know, usually a study will look at one factor, right? If you change this one factor, say one nutrient, will what does it change? Well, we had looked at over the years, researchers have looked at all different types of interventions. And so what we did for the study is we put together six nutrition interventions layered one after another on top of each other. It was a randomized control trial, so real gold standard in how research is done. And we followed them over a year. So it was a long-term study. And it, and the, I think the other real um, thing that sets it apart is that each one of these interventions was studied individually and shown benefit, but they hadn't all been studied together. And as you and I know, when we work with clients and patients, really, we... Families don't just do one thing and wait a year and do one more thing. You know, they do all of these things together because really they're synergistic and they work together. So the way the study worked is we added a multivitamin mineral formula and then we added basically 30 days later we layered in additional interventions. So then it was an essential fatty acid supplement, Epsom salt bath carnitine supplementation, digestive enzymes, and then a healthy gluten-free, casein-free, and soy-free diet. And, uh, and then we followed them for a year to see what happened. You know, let's, let me just talk about, um, just segue into that Epsom salt. I, let me ask you this. Uh, Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate. So I just, our audience understands what Epsom salt bath is. Magnesium sulfate. So there's a magnesium with sulfur compounds in it, and it's a bath salt that you can actually soak in, meaning you pour it in a warm bath and you have the child 
uh, soak in it. I'm assuming that's the way you did it, and it wasn't ingesting. Correct. 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 It was a bathtub, so it was transdermal soaking in it. And were you studying the magnesium per per se or the sulfate per se? Great question. Um, You know, they both have benefits, of course, in the body, and people with autism definitely need both. But really the reasoning for it is the sulfate, because children with autism are known to be low in sulfation, and they don't have the ability to uh, sulfate their guts. They don't have a good solid gut barrier and a brain barrier, and they don't have the detoxification functions and everything they need because they don't have enough sulfate. So the purpose was to try to get that through the skin. Ah, perfect. Got you. So um, then also you mentioned that it was for mitochondrial nutrients, right? Well, the, the next one was carnitine, exactly. And carnitine was added because we know a good percentage of kids with autism have mitochondrial dysfunction. So the carnitine was for that purpose. Got it. And then enzymes, right? Mm-hmm. Digestive enzymes, absolutely. So with all of these different nutrients and uh, tools, like your bath, what did you find? Well, we found an almost seven-point increase in nonverbal IQ, which is amazing. We found a four-and-a-half times the developmental age improvement. So in a year, you'd expect a neurotypically developing child to gain a year's worth of development. So 12 months in 12 months. Well, a delayed group, which if you have a developmental delay like autism, then the control group that did not get the intervention, they developed four months in a 12-month period, which is, you know, what you might expect. But the treatment group developed 18 months in a 12-month period, so four and a half times the developmental uh, improvement and started catching up to the development of their peers. So that was really exciting. We saw improvements in digestion, anxiety, depression, language, socialization, uh, sociability, all sorts of different areas, aggression, tantrums, hyperactivity, focus, the list goes on. (laughs) This is huge, uh, Julie. I mean, the reason why I say this is because most families... Uh, who are d- dealing with children of um, autism spectrum, um, they they are dealing with day-to-day <clears throat> issues. It's not just, you know, um, it's really a day-to-day. They're, they're dealing with the stressors of a child who's unpredictable. But what you're saying is just by adding a few supplements, just by adding a few supplements into their life, you can see humongous change. I mean, this is huge, huge impact on a child. But why is it Absolutely. that this is not done more? Because I know, I know from experience with autistic children, um, I treat them as well uh, with nutrition and interventions and all that, uh, looking at the gene, genetic factors and whatnot. But so many of them come in without a program, without looking at their food, without... Uh, dealing with nutrients and and supplements that are so easily found at any health food store. I know. It's true. You know, I don't know if I have a good reason why not. Uh, You know, I think it's a combination of things. But people ask this question all the time. I was at a high school reunion, and someone who had a child with autism said, you know, we we finally did diet and nutrition for my son because my wife really wanted to. And I said to her, 
why, if this works so well and we're seeing these amazing results, why isn't anyone talking about it? Why didn't anybody tell us about this? And that's what I hear over and over from parents. And, you know, we could probably go on about why those reasons are. I mean, part of what I hear sometimes is, oh, well, there's no science to that stuff, which is why I'm so passionate about not only reading and studying the science, but actually being part of the science, because there is there's tons of science and research, and we understand how the body works and how the brain works in lots of ways, and we understand certain things we can do right now. So I don't know why um, more people haven't gotten on board with this, but it is changing and people are realizing it and there is lots and lots of research on it. Yes. And of course, having radio shows like this and interviewing people like you, just as I am, is what we are having to do. I mean, this is the only way to get the information out there. Mm-hmm. It's the only yeah. way. So, you know, there's a lot of underlying. We talked about the nutrition, the nutrients you just mentioned. What other conditions and factors outside of nut- nutrients affect aut- autism? Well, autism really is a complex neurological condition where What's going on in the body affects the brain. So it's not this mysterious brain condition that, you know, is an isolated silo. This brain is an isolated silo. No, the brain is connected to the body and all the biochemistry of the body. So as we work on the body, we can affect the brain. And in autism, we know they have a lot of digestive problems inflammation. They have a lot of microbiome issues with bacteria, not enough good bacteria, too many pathogenic bacteria and other pathogens. We know that they often don't detoxify as well, so they might be more affected or they are more affected by the artificial fragrances or chemicals or toxins in their environment. Uh, We know their immune system is uh, not always working the same way. They don't fight viruses and pathogens as well, but at the same time, they have this sort of hyperimmune inflammatory response. So when we understand that what really underlies these behaviors you mentioned at the beginning um, of autism really are these complex biochemical underlying factors, and we can use diet and nutrition to reduce the inflammation by reducing the inflammatory foods coming in that are affecting the gut. We can add more good healing foods, things that have probiotics and good fats for the brain. We can have nutrients that they're not absorbing because their digestion isn't absorbing those nutrients. And they do have certain genetic variants very often. And we can do a lot by supplying nutrients to sort of support and overcome some of those areas. So that's really the premise behind it. Right. Gotcha. That's awesome. Can you share a little bit about the genetic factors that you see in autistic children and then which nutrients are essential to bypass the genetic issues? Well, there was a really interesting study. Now, of course, everybody's different and everybody's going to have some different genes, but they did find a set of methylation genes and methylation markers that had, uh, that were, that when they uh, created this sort of multivariant model for assessing them, they found that it was accurate, uh, 80-some percent of the time in determining a child with autism based on these underlying biochemical nutrients, which I'll talk about. And the reason that's so profound and important is because until now, autism has always been diagnosed subjectively based on symptoms, not based on any biological markers. So these are some of the first biological markers that they found occurred so frequently in people with autism that they are starting to realize that these are really important things. And so those, so those are things like folate and B12 
and glutathione. And so what they're looking at is some of the nutrients that feed into the methylation cycle and then produce glutathione, which is our master antioxidant and detoxifier and really important for so many things. Uh, and, and all these nutrients and methylation are needed to produce glutathione. So they looked at a bunch of these nutrient markers and found deficiencies that were so consistent they felt that they had a very good chance of determining someone with autism based on these markers. Can you explain why glutathione is so important for an autistic child? Absolutely. Well, glutathione is really important for the gut-brain barrier, so we need it for good intestinal integrity and health. We need it for uh, the immune system. We need it to detoxify properly. And during mitochondrial function, when we're creating energy, we create a lot of free radicals and oxidative stress, and we need this glutathione to, to sort of squash that fire and, and keep the body running. So the glutathione has many really crucial factors in the body and that we see are deficient in autism. So anytime we can boost, whether it's methylation with, with folate or B12, maybe it's zinc and choline and uh, maybe it's B6 and magnesium. There's a lot of nutrients that kind of take us down this pathway, which is why we don't only look at one or two nutrients. And, that we, you know, for example, in our study, we looked at a broad range of nutrients because, as you know, there's so many that are cofactors for other ones that we really need the, the whole complement of nutrients. Great. Thank you. You, you know, I just um, read a report a, a little while ago, earlier this, this year, Julie, that kimchi, eating kimchi actually increases mitochondrial glutathione production. Wow. That is so amazing and so exciting. Now, do you think it's the probiotics? Do you think it's the, the spicy, uh, you know, the the food comp components in the spices and things that are used. Do you have any idea what it was about the kimchi? The study didn't delineate that, but what they did find, it was that the sulfur, there's a lot of sulfur compound in kimchi. Mm, there's a lot yes. of ginger, a cruciferous vegetable, and you know, we're talking about cabbage is used. They say study cabbage, particularly the Napa cabbage. Mm. And for, for, the, um, for one of the other things that we got to look at is that the kimchi is a pre-digested food. The lactic acid mm -hmm. bacteria and the uh, way it metabolizes, it ends up increases and breaks down that component too. So I think it's it's all of them. They were not able to, there wasn't any specific. Interestingly, they, that study had to do with um, looking at possibility of using kimchi as an anti-inflammatory and a glutathione um, antioxidant production for Alzheimer's cases. They were they were wow. uh, predicting that this theorizing that this can be a, a really good food for Alzheimer's cases, which of course we know wow. in Alzheimer when it comes to that a lot has to do with uh, blood flow to the brain, um, antioxidants of the mm -hmm. brain, toxicity of the brain, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely, and a lot of those cruciferous vegetables are very rich in sulforaphane, and sulforaphane builds glutathione. So I think you're, and I think you're on the money there. That is really exciting, and uh, I just think fermented foods are so wonderful and uh, powerful to add. And now I've got one more reason, so that's great. 
Exactly. And for the listeners, another way of looking to see if a child is low in glutathione, there's an indirect blood test called GGT. It's an a um, an, an actual uh, test that you can do just by giving a, a small sample of blood. And they, it's called gamma glutamyl transferase. It's an enzyme, and usually it looks for, it's like a liver enzyme. But it's a predictor. If it's if you are um, really high in that, then that means that you are low in glutathione. Do you ever use the, that marker at all? I have not used that marker. That's really interesting. Yeah, GGT. I mean, that's like a normal an enzyme that I check. In blood, you got to order it. It's not in the typical uh, chem panel, so you got to ask your doctor to order that. So, uh, you know, it's it's as all the things that you're talking about. I can already tell that you don't believe one diet is the all. There's only one type of diet for an autistic um, spectrum child or an adult. So let's talk about what your belief system is when it comes to diets, because uh, I can tell I'm probably going to agree with what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I think, first, I think there are principles that are generally good for most people with autism. But as we know, everybody is unique. And so everybody needs a unique approach to whatever it happens to be doing, whether it's exercise or whether it's their diet. So that's just a solid principle that makes good common sense. But there are certain principles that really can be helpful. Gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free, like we did in the study, really, um, we have lots of research showing they're very inflammatory and there's lots of reasons those are a problem. So those are, that, that's a diet that I think is, you know, really great for most people on the spectrum. Then, from there, though, what I was seeing in my practice is that, you know, there's always a new diet flavor of the year. And, you know, one year it was this one and one year it was that one. And some people would come into my practice and say, wow, this diet has changed, you know, everything. It's really wonderful. And then other people would say, you know, I didn't see anything or I saw something problematic. So I started to look at, well, who did well with this diet? Who did poorly with this diet? Maybe it's just a matter of bioindividuality. And so what I really look to do is to try to figure out what foods are bothering that person and which diet is going to be the best approach. Maybe they not only need gluten-free, but maybe they also need grain-free. Or, you know, there's some really interesting research. They did a study on gluten-free, casein-free versus keto, the ketogenic diet, and, you know, what they found there. And actually what they found was a little bit better results with the keto, but they found a third of the people dropped out of that study. So then I look at, well, do we need to go all the way to keto? Would grain-free have been helpful? So I'm always looking at, you know, how do I customize the diet for the unique needs of that individual? And uh, so uh, I do think there's some solid principles that are really probably great for most people, and then additional principles that would really be customized for the individual. Right. I, I know it's such a great point. When it comes to a child, or it doesn't even have to be autistic, it could be any individual, you, you got to look at everyone has their own, whether it's genetic um, and background and what, what country they're from, in fact, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even looking at um, their ability to digest nutrients, digest foods and break down foods. Everyone is so unique. You've got to customize. It. And that's basically what you're saying. Customize for each person. Do not say yeah. that it's going to, yeah. And that's where your bio-individual nutrition practice comes from. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So that's what I really developed over the last 17 years of working with families was realizing 
which diets work best for which people, which symptoms, which conditions, and then helping parents figure out in a fairly easy, methodical way where to go. Because, you know, if you start to add more restrictions, it can get complicated or it can get um, uh, restrictive. And so my goal is always to make it as least restrictive, as varied with nutrients and all that good stuff as possible. So yeah, so that's how I came about it. And I, then I realized, oh, well, this diet is not only helping this child, but the, it's, it's, it's also helping the family. So, you know, how does it help dad with IBS and mom with this? Again, they might need some subtle tweaks, but they're all probably from the same genetic background mostly. So what I found was, ah, this is helping the child with autism and the mom with IBS and the dad with ADHD or whatever it might be. And I started to realize bio-individual nutrition is something we can apply to the underlying conditions rather than the diagnosis, and we can help adults and children with all types of different conditions. That's great to be said. You know, you uh, you didn't mention soy, and I just want to get a little clarity on that. Now, I come from Korea, and soybean has been in our lives for hundreds of years. Uh, gosh, so I would like to know, what is it about the soy in the U.S., and are we only talking about the United States, or are we talking about across the board from different countries as well? What is it about the soy that, that is inflammatory, or is it, aller- is it an allergy? Is it because of the GMO? Uh, can we get a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, great question. You know, uh, I don't know if we know why it helps or exactly, but there are lots of reasons. and So I'll give you, like, lots of the reasons. Um, but, you know... Um, it could be, it's probably a combination of multiple things. It probably does have something to do with the modern soy versus maybe soy from before it was modified. Um, it might have to do with the pesticides or other things that are on it. And it might have to do with the traditional ways that it was produced. Was it fermented or not? In the case of autism, some of the reasons that we include soy is because gluten, dairy, and soy are all broken down by this enzyme called DPP-4. And when there isn't sufficient amounts of that enzyme, we can't break down any of those three proteins very well. And all of those proteins, actually, when they're not broken down into their amino acids, can form these proteins that literally fit in the opiate receptor and can function like morphine. So maybe it's just, you know, is it all human beings? Maybe not. Maybe it's something special about the kids with autism uh, or the way the crop is grown today. Um, But we do see the reason, at least the reason I include it is because it's very inflammatory, because it's broken down by that same enzyme, because it can create those opiates. Uh, and because their digestion isn't very robust in autism, uh, that's the reason that I very often will include soy-free with my gluten-free and dairy-free. Oh, that's such a great explanation about the way the enzymes, uh, there's a specific enzyme that we lack as human beings to break those down and uh, that it can be more um more of the fact that biochemically it's just not processed properly in our body. Uh, you know, earlier in the intro, I mentioned that the rate of autism is really going high. I mean, like just in the last two years, it's gone up 15%. Mm-hmm. It used to be one out of 68 and it's now one out of 59. This is really um, so fast. It, it's This is not obviously evolutionary. It's not like it's part of human beings now. It's really caused by other factors. And I'd like to know in your take, just, you know, we only have one more minute left. 
Do you feel that we can stop this, this the rate of it getting worse? Do you feel that in, in this lifetime so that our, mm. our future generations will get better? I do. I mean, my organization is called Nourishing Hope. So I'm all about nourishing hope. And I do absolutely believe, I mean, there's so much science now. We're learning so much about what's underlying it, how to help support individuals. We're seeing children recover from autism and lose their diagnosis. Uh, So we are learning more and more about how to help them. And I think as we learn how to help them, we will learn more and more about how to prevent it and reverse it. Uh, Because you're absolutely right. When we were kids, it was one in 10,000. Then when I started uh, 17 years ago, it was one in 350. And like you said, now it's one in 59. And this is um, something that we do need to pay some significant attention to and uh, really figure out how to change our ways and, and make this work. And, I, and I'm seeing wonderful results all the time, and I'm seeing more and more doctors understanding this. So I really do believe that we are going to change this tide. Oh, well, you are giving us all hope, Julie. Thank you. Thank you so much for your great information. And, and nourishinghope.com, if you are anyone out there, I mean, we've all been touched by autism. Please share this website, nourishinghope.com. And if anyone out there can, can uh, that, you know, just share our, our, this show with them as well so that uh, you can start the beginning and help your friends and family and people that you know who have a child or who has an adult also. This doesn't have to be just a child for for individuals who have been dealing with this for so long. And for anyone who really want to learn more and become a practitioner who is more into autism, you can go to bioindividualnutrition.com. Uh, bioindividualnutrition.com is services. It's, it is Julie's website services practitioners to become better practitioners and teaching them her ways and, and the um, teaching, learning the tools on how to service uh, individuals who've been touched by autism. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to subscribe. Do connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Suzanne. And if you need to help any more help with your health issues, I, I work with people all around the world. Just call me up. We could do Skype consultations as well. And my contact info is on my website, drsuzanne.com website. Until next time, go out there and live your best life full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.